This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. After a year of protests by its players on various issues, and many players deciding to take uh, a knee during the National Anthem, plus the backlash by fans and advertisers, the National Football League has changed their policy for the attention that players and league personnel will give during the playing of the anthem. Anyone on the field will stand when the anthem is played, but players do have the option to stay back in the locker room and then come out to the field when the anthem is finished. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell commented about the change. Uh, clearly, our objective as a league into uh, all 32 clubs, uh, which was unanimous, is that we want people uh, to be respectful to the national anthem. We want people to stand. That's all personnel, and make sure that uh, they treat this uh, moment in a respectful fashion. That's something that we think we owe. We've been very sensitive in making sure that we uh, give players choices, but we do believe uh, that that moment is an important moment. But is this change the right one? The NFL Players Association says it was not consulted about this vote. With more, we welcome in Ken Shropshire, CEO of the Global Sports Institute and a professor emeritus here at the Wharton School, as well as co-author of the new book, The Miseducation of the Student-Athlete, How to Fix College Sports. And also with us, Charles Grantham, director of the Center for Sport Management at Seton Hall University and a former player agent in the NBA. Ken, Charles, as always, both of you, great to have you with us today. Well, it's good to be here, uh, but I would like to make one change. I've never, I've been only a player agent once, but I was the director of the Players Union for almost 20 years. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate it. Ken, great to talk to you as well. Oh, good, good to talk to you, hey, Charles. Hi, Ken. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you both. Um, so you've heard, uh, obviously, what has all gone on uh, here in the last, uh, last few days uh, and the comments of Roger Goodell. Did the league get it right? Did they get it wrong or somewhere in the middle? Ken, start with you. Wrong. And, and couldn't be more uh, wrong. There were lots of options that were better. If, if uh, there, maybe one more degree could have been worse, that would be everybody has to come out. Um, but it really is a, uh, an unnecessary decision, too. Uh, th- this was You talk to reporters that are talking to these players all the time, and the, and the players that I talked to, this this whole uh, idea of kneeling was on the way in anyway. I mean, it was a, in, in some sense, you know, from a business standpoint, it was a, it was a problem that was going to take care of itself over time. I think the the athletes were focused enough to know it was time for the next phase. So this is this is almost like being called sons of bitches again. I mean, this this is a slap in the face saying this is what you must do, and and the reality is. That this is that there are a lot of issues in here. I mean, and I'm not sure where the players' association will go. I mean, this is a, uh, a terms and conditions of employment. It's kind of a workplace issue yeah. that one could argue would have to be collective bargaining. I'm sure Charles can can talk about that. Um, but but this is this is really just misses the entire issue, and this this conflates uh, even further uh, the whole purpose of what was going on with the players with patriotism. So so it's absolutely wrong, and, and I'm probably going to be fired from any consulting I've got with NFL uh, <laughs> at the end of this broadcast. But but I feel that strongly about it. Charles? 
Well, guys, this thing sends so many messages. Uh, it goes back to maybe our last conversation when I said it's incumbent upon the leaders of both of these organizations because it is an employment matter. It's a working condition. In a sense, in, in throughout this the collective bargain process and the collective bargain agreement that they have now in place, they're saying in order to amend it, maybe I should it certainly include the players in negotiating some type of a mutual agreed upon procedure. Instead right. they unilaterally impose it. So that's the that's sort of the first smack at what we call this this effort of both uh, of labor relations and an improved labor relations. You know, we, we 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 talk about two leaders of organizations that says, uh, what's out there that's gonna possibly negatively impact our business? Well well guess what? Once we notice what it is, the two of us have to get together and figure out a solution. And this is not the way to go about doing that. You know, one thing, Ken, and you probably remember this, back in the 80s, one of the things we considered at a time that perhaps sports unions have have outgrown their usefulness from the standpoint that we've, we've set the standard of wages and work conditions that are pretty good. Uh, maybe, just maybe, given what they're thinking and, and what they're doing now, one of the considerations that you have to think about is decertifying the union. And guess what, guys? How valuable is that antitrust exemption you have? Because the measure right now is time and circumstance, which means that you lose that exemption based on the timing of a condition yep. and the circumstances surrounding it. So here you are unilaterally imposing a condition when you have a working relation with a union, and essentially you're telling them, hey, we can pay you, but we own your rights. You have to give up your rights in order to be paid well. So it's, it's, it's something that should not have come to this. It's something that could have been resolved uh, a, a year ago at least if the parties would have said to themselves, how can we, instead of being a facilitator, NFL, by having football as family, maybe we can get together with the players and figure out something that we can actually do together. And the owners take ownership and the players take ownership. And then guess what? Everybody would stand. Well, part of it also, Charles, with your uh, background with the NBA, uh, a lot of people have been talking in the last uh, 24 hours about the differences in how the NFL perceives this and the NBA has had in their rules for uh, for the last, uh, you know, I don't know how many years of the players coming out, standing for the anthem, you know, when they come out to the court. Well, part of that has to do with, and, and, and I wasn't there when they made that change, but that, that was a change. But part of that, I believe, has to do with the owners buying in and supporting the players in the various aspects of things they do in their respective communities. Almost every player in a league does something in this community. Right. And the question is, does the league buy into it? The owner buys into it? I mean, if we go back and think about it for a moment, it wasn't too long ago we were having this decision, or this discussion, and the Detroit Lions, with their owner, came to an agreement that they would stand based on what? Based on the owner's contribution to the very efforts that these young men are trying to make in their communities. And they stood. So it, it, there's something more at work here. And uh, it certainly has to do with our president intervening in this private relationship between uh, the players and the owners. And, and the whole concept of whether or not when, when they took the knee and the union – 
really should have taken the leadership, not just Mr. Kaepernick by himself or Mr. Reed, but on behalf of the players. Yeah. That's what the unions are supposed to be doing. So for for them to sit back now and say, well, they didn't they didn't um, they didn't talk to us about it. Well, immediately they should file an unfair labor charge. So, but it speaks again to those kinds of relations. Again, I I, I got to go back and think with Larry Fleischer and I and David and Russ. These kinds of things didn't happen because we sat down in a room at a at a round table and not a square one, your side and my side, yeah. uh, and, and sat down and say, okay, what are the conditions here? How can we work it out together? Well, and that's clearly not happening. And, and Charles, you mentioned President Trump, who has obviously had uh, quite a, a few things to say on this issue over the last uh, several months. He made comment earlier today, and I want to play a clip of this and get your reaction, because uh, I am as somebody that worked in the sports industry for a long time, just like you guys. This comment, again, did not sit well with me. I don't think people should be staying in locker rooms, but still, I think it's good. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem. Well, you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem. And the NFL owners did the right thing if that's what they've done. So the the part that, that I'm focusing on, Ken, is the part that he says they probably shouldn't be in the country. And obviously that's not going to sit well with a lot of people across the country. No. And, and, and you know you, you you got a bad day when when the president, you wake up and the president's agreed with you on something. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. you start off on, on, on the wrong track when that happens. I mean, and what we have to get to right away is, is the race issue. We have to get right away. Anytime there's commentary about go back home, get out of here, uh, tied with uh, the, the, the skin color of the majority of the players, uh, that are involved in these activities, you got to go to to the race issue right away. And this is a president that, that that has been masterful in speaking in in coded language when he's got his most sophisticated moments, and, and that, that's certainly uh, uh, where we could kind of cast this as opposed to the more direct kind of moments where he makes racist, sexist, misogynist statements. So it, it is disheartening, uh, and it is. I, I don't know what the owners uh, thought was going to be outcome. I don't know who they thought was going to be aligned with them. I don't know what they thought the impact would be on, on viewership. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain what they thought the players' reaction would be, uh, but this this is the manifestation of it, is, is what we hear uh, from the president today. So if, if, if your desire was to, to wake up and be aligned uh, with the President of the United States, and that they've done a wonderful job. Charles, your thoughts? Well, it is, uh, there is that, that uh, perception that this is a race issue, simply because, obviously, the union is almost 70, 75 percent black. But the way the president presents his case is often at that it reflects that kind of attitude. And so the attitude is one thing, but what are the actions that are going to be taken? I mean, it, recall, we, we've got two grievances going on of collusion. So let's assume for a moment that you follow uh, the way the anthem policy is now stated, that those who feel uh, that they don't want to go on the field stay in the locker room. It still doesn't answer the question of collusion, because what it sets up is the fact that those who stay or remain in the locker room will probably not get a new deal once their contract expires. So so the whole collusion question is only now going to be driven in a, 
entirely different direction. But it is interesting, Charles, that that in the wake of, as what Roger Goodell said, was a 32-0 vote, that Woody Johnson, uh, who is the owner of the New York Jets, has come out and said, He's going to pay the fines. Yeah, you know, I, so that thirty-two to zero doesn't exactly seem like it was thirty-two to zero, Charles. Well, well, here's here's the thing on that. Any time they in a room and it comes up to be twenty-seven plus or anything like, that, they want to come out and say it's unanimous, right? So, so on the one hand, so but but it also, guys, keep in mind that they also want to extend this current collective bargaining agreement. And so immediately, one of the other thing it does is it divides the players. So now where do the players come out? Those who want to stay in versus those who want to go out on the field. And unless they're starting to present a front of unity here, then the extension or anything coming forward on this next collective bargaining process could clearly end up in another lockout. Uh, Ken, one of the players that obviously has been very much out front on this uh, plays here in Philadelphia, Malcolm Jenkins. And here was the comments that that Malcolm had uh, in the wake of the decision. He says, what NFL owners did today was thwart the players' constitutional rights to express themselves and use our platform to draw attention to social injustices like racial inequality in our country. Everyone loses when voices get stifled. How do you react to that? Well, first of all, I, I'm now officially a Jets fan. I want everybody to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, wow! But uh, y- you know, it's it's very. Uh, it, 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 I guess the the commentary is important for people to understand. It is very difficult to make this a, a constitutional issue uh, when you are an employee with a, a essentially a private business. So, so the, the constitutional protections come. Uh, for governmental workers, uh, uh, state employees, so sort of those kinds of settings, not in the, in the, the private employment setting. So it's very difficult to make uh, that argument. I think it's it's more of a principled kind of free speech in America argument. Is yeah, I think is a pretty powerful one. But the, the two places where you have the most freedom to speak on college campuses, the academic freedom, and in, as, a, as a governmental employee. So so, the, so that, that's very difficult. I, I think his statement is, is powerful, though, in, the, in that I will continue to speak no matter what. I, mean, I think that's the most important part of, of what Malcolm Jenkins is saying. Charles? Yeah, what it's also saying is that that conversation that Malcolm Jenkins and his group had with the owners was uh, baseless, that they yeah. clearly weren't talking to each other, they were talking at each other. And the conclusion that they reached by putting some money, sprinkling some money on the problem over a long-term period, uh, it clearly means nothing. And so yeah. when we come back to this whole idea again of uh, the player coalition, the players' union, see, I'm a firm believer that obviously this is a union issue here. Because it does involve employment, and it is a condition of employment that they have unilaterally changed. So if we start there, in spite of, in spite of the political environment that says even the NLRB has been painted by Trump these days, the point of the matter is that that is one of the avenues that you've got to seek addressed here, that it's a change in policy without involving the union, and it's a union yeah. environment. And so, therefore, an unfair labor charge clearly, in my mind, is appropriate. Um, all of us have typically stayed away from the NLRB because it takes so long here. But the point is that someone's got to address a formal response at this point to, 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 to this change. Otherwise, it becomes part of the practice. And clearly, from a union's perspective, you don't want to be sitting in court and say, well, 
thing was changed, but basically you guys went along with the practice. And so we've we've got to start there, whether or not the union initiates such change, that uh, uh, such a charge, I certainly would, would do that and have done that already, to be honest with you. Charles, and obviously the other part to this story over the last few months has been the reaction of fans of advertisers uh, of the TV networks to uh, to these protests going on, and it, it it is a unique set of circumstances. Only I say that because we're talking about something that is kind of being you know brought around the national anthem, but also the American flag to a degree. And so, how do you respond to the people that that have this belief that this is you know the protests are are very valid, they're very important, but in the manner that they are being presented, they disagree with how it's being done. Well, we've conducted a couple of polls here at uh, Seton Hall, and clearly the advertisers have not uh, fallen off in, from the standpoint that um, they still want to be, be connected to, okay. that, to that, in, that NFL brand. Okay, Fans, however, are still, I think, confused depending on which narrative you want to believe. If you okay. believe, believe the president's narrative, then this was strictly an attack on the flag and, and our military, etc. But when you understand their financial motives uh, and incentives to, to, to basically generate that narrative, then you still come back confused. What, what I believe is that, uh, again, this thing could have been resolved still can be resolved if the two parties would respect each other and sit down and say again that we're the two groups that can resolve this issue. And it's resolvable. It's not not resolvable. Right. The, the question is, will owners buy in and leave the politics out, um, buy in with the players, not a demand, but the players' protest of an issue that is ongoing and is only getting more explosive, not less. And can we, as a, quote, sport, take the leadership role in identifying ways to resolve the issue on a national basis? I think the answer to that is yes, if the parties were to sit down and actually think it through. Ken? Well, I, I, I think in the end it, it is this, this question of, of, of where do you want to be as, as a league, where do you want to be as a player association. I, I think the players have been very clear on what they want to do. What I'm most interested to see is, is where uh, what they do on, on game one. Uh, if, if they, And I think there will be a lot of unity. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, teams coming coming out all together or not coming out at all. Right. I don't think, uh, you know, I think coaches coaches now have a lot of time to to get that unity. They, they want to win the games, and I think in order to mm-hmm. have that unity, that's going to be one of the places where that's going to be illustrated. So so that, that, that's what I want to watch most closely. I think the, the owners have, uh, and it's been a series of, of, of these kind of problematic steps, uh, you know, uh, bad guidance, um, bad, bad advice, and, and this, is, this is the ultimate, I, I think, in terms of, of mistakes that are made in terms of, of the public's acceptance and the players acceptance uh, but the president loves it we are joined on the phone by ken shropshire and charles grantham your comments are welcome at 844 wharton 844-942-7866 or if you can't get to the phone you can send us a comment via twitter at biz radio 111 or you can use my twitter account which is at dan loney 21 we're discussing the uh the change by the national football league on policy surrounding uh, the approach of players during the National Anthem. Again, 
942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Charles, I want to go back to something for a second because, as we mentioned and you alluded to, uh, the Players Association has come out and said they were not consulted on this. Obviously, these are two sides that have to get along and get a deal done in terms of a you know a binding agreement uh, moving forward at some point. And the question becomes is, even though it's not an issue now, is will it be an issue down the road when we have to go to negotiations between the owners and the players? Oh, I definitely think that this is part of the, the, the exchange here. In other words, that policy was changed, in my opinion, in anticipation of this next negotiation, which they expect, I think, in a negotiation is to make it a mandatory policy. And in exchange for what? I mean, those are some of the things that I think are going to be on the horizon. Um, but, but you know, both Ken and I have taught uh, uh, negotiations for some time. And, and we, Ken, you, we would always go back to this word called trust. And unless that trust is established, it's very difficult for reciprocity to occur and to have some kind of a mutual understanding at the end of the day to have a deal. Um, and particularly in long-term relationships like union and management. And they can't seem to figure out how to get there. Now, a lot of that, I believe, stems back from the, from the 2011 collective bargaining agreement, which they lost this dispute resolution system called the special master. And that special master would have been handling a situation, for example, like this. Uh, that's gone. Yeah. But 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 so went the trust because it was so one-sided. And I, again, I don't know about you, Ken, but it, several times I've lectured at law schools. And at the end of the, the session, I've always said, look, in many cases, you're going to be the smartest person in the room. But don't be a pig. Right. Don't take it all because you can. Okay? And when, every time I think about that, I think about the way these two have been negotiating with each other over the last uh, six, seven, eight years. And it always comes back to that trust, which is which which again today surely demonstrates that it's at rock bottom. Ken, no, I, I fully fully agree with Charles. I mean, this is something that should be negotiated. It's not so complex. And uh, again, next best alternative would have been to do nothing. Uh, this obviously from the Malkin Jenkins, uh, Jenkins perspective, Charles, he's been not only talking with owners, but he's been talking here in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, with leaders at the state level to try and do, uh, do, you know, uh, to affect change. And it brings up another issue about whether or not these issues are best handled at the state level or at the local level, instead of again, trying to get the federal side of this involved. Well, again, it speaks to this level of cooperation between the parties. Um, now that we've thrown gambling in the mix, for example, you hear Roger talking about a, a federal rule, that, that they want to use their political capital at the federal level. Now, if we, and Ken, I'm sure the test is if you go back and look at over the years and how strong the NFL and the NBA and NHL lobby has been to, to, to elicit changes that they see fit. But you have Malcolm Jenkins now working on a local level with whose help? I mean, again, yeah. if you want to sit down and say, how can we, if we want to explore the political side yeah. and the political capital that we have, uh, the, the NFL and the NBA or the NFL and its players could make a major step, but they chose not to again. Ken? 
No, I, I think that's ex- exactly right, and, and it's going to be interesting to see um, Malcolm's leadership throughout this this whole uh, series of events, too. I, I think what's interesting, the, the, the other outliers on this, the two pieces that, that we should watch out for, too, uh, as you mentioned, the collusion actions uh, by both uh, Mr. Reed and Mr. Kaepernick and, and see where, where that goes. And, and kind of tied in with that is is this money that, that Charles mentioned the whole idea of this this fund for um, uh, so, social impact, the you know hundred million dollars or so, that really many people characterize as being a negotiation to to cease the protest. Um, but is is this is this event? Is this determination? Is this new policy? Was that contemplated in that conversation? If not, if not, yeah. uh, is, is there going to be any impact on those funds? Gentlemen, as always, great to have your knowledge joining us on the show. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Charles. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.